everyone welcome back to the full 40 with chris and rob we're here with you after another villanova destruction over georgetown feels so good it does always feels good to beat georgetown yeah, it does uh, but before we get into that we want to walk you through our weekend our weekend was basketball filled and we want to we want to take this opportunity to kind of walk you through how our weekend went so what we did was friday night we actually went, as we discussed on the podcast, potentially going, we actually did go through with it and went to Madison Square Garden to check out the Big East Tournament pregame. Yes, the warm-up. The warm-up, the Big Ten Conference Championship. Yes. And to be honest with you, I, we were pleasantly surprised. It, yeah, I was shocked, actually. Yeah, I, it, I, was, I, it was fun. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to go there and we'd hang out for a couple hours and I'd be like, oh yeah, that was fun. But no, we actually saw some, I saw some good basketball games. Yeah, we did see some. I wouldn't say that there was like high quality basketball being played necessarily, but there were fun games. They were fun games. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, was uh, was a good one. Yep, it came down to the wire. Really good, actually. Uh, and then Penn State won on like a sick pass by their best player Tony Carr, uh, who who dumped it off and they made a dunk and it was it was it was crazy. And then and then second game. Rutgers filled the arena. They did. Uh, and they played against Purdue. And Rutgers tried to street ball them out of MSG. And it got them pretty far into the game, but it wasn't good enough it to win. Enough. But, I mean, hey, look. This isn't a Big Ten podcast. No. So you guys have put up with enough talk of the actual games there. So the real reason we went to the Big Ten tournament was obviously to hang out, to support the myriad of Villanova alumni on the Penn State coaching staff, which is crazy, to see Rutgers get dumped on, yep. which they did, like we said, a little bit better than thought. But more importantly, we wanted to do some research and some reminders for those of you who either haven't been to MSG or perhaps still want to learn some more of the details of MSG. So we'll give you a little, little background in terms of what we found out there, too. Yeah, so we wanted to do some advanced scouting on Madison Square Garden. Many of you have already been. Um, and if not, as, we rec- as we've previously recommended, you got to go check out the Big East Tournament Absolutely. at MSG. It's the best. Where should we start? We want to talk food? Let's talk food because one of the biggest benefits of nobody being at the games was the fact that there were no lines for the food. No I was lines. literally walking around and had my choice of wherever I wanted to go, no waits. Even at halftime, I waited zero minutes. Yeah, and it wasn't, it wasn't good for the liver because just alcohol was just readily available was, all the time. It was very available. <laughs> There's no waiting necessary. Biggest thing I learned was that the first level of MSG has way better food options than the second level. Oh, I so, missed that. I missed that run with you. Yeah. The 100, like, even if you're sitting on the 200 level, go down to the 100 level to get your food. It's worth it. All right. Uh, so I actually stopped after debating Hill Country Barbecue, which is real good, and debating a couple other things. I ended up going to the Carnegie Deli stand at, uh, at MSG, and I got a corned beef and pastrami on rye, which Classic. was terrific. And then there was a deal where you got a potato knish for $6. Now – Wait. Just the knish was $6? The, the knish was $6, <laughs> which is a great deal. 
in MSG. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still shocking. Yeah, it's still you. shocking. However, I must say the Kanish was good. <laughs> right. The Kanish delivered on its promise. Fair enough. Well seasoned, delicious, easy to eat, filling. I had no complaints, and the Carnegie uh, the Carnegie Deli sandwich was also really good. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay, so Carnegie Deli is good. Hill Country. I didn't even think about Hill Country. I totally should have done that though. What else did we notice? Oh, food. Um, cheers. Yeah, yeah. So getting to see other fan bases gives you an opportunity to see what cheers they do. Yeah. First things first, Penn State, they kind of looked confused. They're like, what is this basketball game that everyone's playing? Penn State is a football school, and it seemed like you just had a lot of football fans there who was like, oh, I heard Penn State's good this year. Either that or it was like, oh, yeah, this is like uh, spring practice for football inside, and they showed up, and they're like, ah, shit, wrong sport. Yeah. All right, I'll hang out for a I while. I saw some guy who was a big sports fan and a big, a big NBA basketball fan who I used to work with who went to Penn State. He was at the game, and he was like – Penn State won a crazy game, and he was, like, so excited after the game. He was like, I had no idea college basketball was like this. I was like, did you never go? He's like, no, it's the first time I've been to a Penn State game. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, like, just not even on their radar. Yeah. And he was like, Penn, college basketball is cool. I was like, yeah, welcome to the show. <laughs> no kidding. There's uh, a reason we spent a lot of money on it. So Penn State fans did their we are Penn State thing a lot. Ohio State fans, they're pretty good. They, they were, were doing yeah. – those are no – and they do this at football, and it's amazing at football – but they'll do this chant where they go O-H-I-O around the arena. And I was really impressed that they even got it going, although it took a while for the eyes. The people doing the eye did not do a good job at first. It took them a while to catch on. Yeah, we had like three quarters of the arena was ready to go. They're like, yeah, we're into this game. Yeah. And eight, the eye section was like, nah, like, we're good. Yeah, so after spelling fast. O-H-O <laughs> several, several times. times, they finally got – O-H-I-O and figured out how to spell Ohio. Yeah. It's uh, maybe a big deal for them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a big deal. Uh, then you had Purdue. Purdue had the most annoying chant. Boiler up. Boiler up. <laughs> Just like that. Boiler up. It's oh, like, my It's goodness. like West Virginia. West Virginia is I, – I still – what's worse? Boiler up was pretty bad. I can imagine if I was in the Big Ten, I'd hate that. I, I think West Virginia, from my perspective, has got to be worse just because we have such a history with them and I'm so disgusted whenever we play them or I even oh, yeah. see them. If you don't know, West Virginia fans chant, let's go Mountaineers. Let's go Mountaineers. And it is... It's as annoying as you just did. It's so annoying. Yeah. I have a story about that. I went to you, – you know the story, but I went to the game once and uh, went, went with your wife. It was your girlfriend at the time, yep. Nicole. Went to the game and it was the last – it was 2010, last game of the year. And Villanova fans in general, especially me, were very frustrated. Very frustrated with the way the season was going because we were losing everything down the stretch. Season seemed to be coming apart and – West Virginia provided an opportunity. Okay, they were a top five, top ten team. Win that game, you get right, and all of a sudden you're feeling better going into March. Yeah. Well, we pushed the game into overtime, and then in overtime they beat us up. And there was tons of West Virginia fans at the game. I had several drinks. <laughs> and they were chanting their Let's Go Mountaineers chant. And I got up out of my chair, forgot that they were human beings, and <laughs> just started yelling at them at the top of my lungs – couldn't even make sense of like it. Like berating them. Your girlfriend literally took me by the arm and shoved me back into my seat and said, enough. 
<laughs> I got reprimanded like a teacher or a parent would have reprimanded their disobedient child. Just show any decency to people. Yeah. Like, come on. I was mad. <laughs> I took it out on them. You took it out on them. Uh, which is actually really good segue into the Rutgers fans. Oh, who boy. were absolutely nuts at this game. I mean, look, they were they over way overperformed their seed. They were the... 14. The 14, yeah. Coming in, had a couple wins, so they got to this matchup against Purdue. And... The folks from New Jersey showed up at the stadium, and they were so loud and so obnoxious, as expected, I think. There was, yeah, Rutgers fans are kind of like the Seton Hall fans of the Big Ten, which I guess makes sense because they're both in Jersey. Um, And not to offend Jersey people, because let's face it, most people who go to Villanova are from Jersey. But I would say that most people from Jersey would say, most people from Villanova who went? Who were from Jersey would say that Rutgers and Seton Hall fans are kind of on their own wavelength. Yeah. So they were they were obnoxious, loud. They're not really not all that coherent. <laughs> definitely not that coherent. They're not really used to like I'll cut them a break because they're not really used to winning, like in anything. We could do a how's that going for you segment for Rutgers, except. It didn't go really that well for them in the Big East, so... Yeah, the starting point was really bad anyway, and they just moved into, yeah, this is still really bad. Yeah, yeah, it's still really bad, but we get a bigger paycheck from the Big Ten than we did the Big East, so I guess it's going a little better. I guess it's a little better, I guess it's going a little better for them. But we got to talk about that one guy. Oh, my God. I don't know how how he didn't get kicked out. Yeah, there was one guy behind us, kind of behind us, kind of to the side, who was... Clearly drunk, and he was very upset at the referees. Like, like, really, really upset. What was he? He was yelling at the referees. I mean, we weren't that close, by the way. It's not like the referees could hear him, but he didn't care. No. He was yelling at them like, I'll F you up. I'll F you up. I'll see you in the parking lot. To which I was like, there's no parking lot. It's Madison Square Garden. <laughs> which subway, maybe? <laughs> which parking lot? Like, uh, I could find an icon on, you know, maybe 32nd and, and 8th. Like, what, what are you talking about? What parking lot are you going to? He's from Rutgers, so it explains a lot. And it's funny because you have the quaint Midwesterners from Purdue, and then you have Rutgers people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the Purdue fans who were sitting anywhere near Rutgers fans were clearly disgusted so uncomfortable they were so uncomfortable so upset by the entire experience <laughs> yeah we did who didn't bargain for this when we thought we were coming to like a nice game to watch casually yeah we're coming to new york it's gonna be exciting there's broadway and then we'll go watch the games and it's msg it's a famous arena and then they got rockers fans they got yeah that was that was and, unfortunate and we knew what to expect yeah I, yeah it was funny we were sitting there laughing was, yeah i mean the second game started all these rockers fans really flood in and you could hear in the first five minutes, like, yep, I think I know how this one's going to play out yep. from, a, from a fan perspective. Yeah. Kudos to Rutgers, though. But they showed up. They showed up for their team. I didn't know they had that many fans, but they did. And then in the entire arena, somehow, some way, we were sitting in front of the only Xavier fan who lives in New York. <laughs> I think that's right. He was sitting by himself, which at first I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. You know, you don't have any friends to go with. And then I was like, oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. He is probably the only Xavier <laughs> fan. Yeah, I don't know if there's anyone else. Like, <laughs> He put a Craigslist ad up. Their NYC game watch just must be his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And he was really, he was really, he was a nice guy. We congratulated him in advance. We, we thought that Xavier would... Uh, would beat DePaul, which the Strews did not get loose. No. I mean, that was a bold call on our part to say that we thought Xavier was going to beat DePaul, but 
That's what we do here at the Full 40. We really, <laughs> really go out on a limb. We go out on a limb and make bold calls. Xavier was going to beat DePaul. So we congratulated him in advance. He was very nice. He said, he said as I expected him to say, yeah, it, I'm very excited for the Big East Championship win. But, you know, I really hope we see you guys in the Big East Tournament because the only way it will really justify us being the champions is if we beat you guys. I, I get that I get that a bit, but I'm also kind of like, hey, you get the banner either way. Yeah, so. you, you still got the banner. Maybe let's bring it back. <laughs> we talked a lot about Big Ten. Maybe let's bring it back. Uh, yeah, I'm Biggies. done talking about the Big Ten. <laughs> Enough. Sorry you guys had to listen to that. Yeah. So the other thing we did this weekend, obviously we started the, started the weekend Friday night at MSG and then decided, hey, look, we've been watching a lot of games in our apartments. Let's actually mix it up and let's go check out a game watch. So started the day drinking Saturday. We had plenty of time with the 5 o'clock tip. Uh, watch that Xavier DePaul game. Which was uh, actually was a thrilling game. Yeah, kind of crazy. Way more thrilling than it should have been. But yeah. every Xavier game has been way more thrilling than it should have been. That's really year. true, actually. A lot of close games. But yeah, so a lot of day drinking. And then we said, hey, let's head over to the Brazen Fox to check out check out the game watch. Yep. Which, which I'll foreshadow how this went by saying that I texted a coworker of mine who graduated class of 2016. And... I, I said, hey, we're going to Brazen Fox, actually, to check out the Game Watch, thinking that, you know, when I was just out of school, I went to Game Watches a lot more, and Brazen Fox is the official NYC Game Watch bar. Thought she might be there, and she laughed. <laughs> she responded with, wait, you're going to Brazen Fox? Yeah. That's rough. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it was rough. But, so, yeah. it ended up being pretty good, though. No, we had a good time. Turnout was great. Turnout was good. Yep. A lot of people I did not, not recognize. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully they're listening to the podcast. Very We likely. saw a fan. Oh, that's right. Someone came up to us. Shout out. Liz Durham requested a shout out. So she, shout yeah. out to Liz Durham. She requested. Uh, she, re- she, she came over. She was excited. She was like, oh, my God, it's the full 40 guys. And we were like, hey, you're like our only fan. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, Liz Durham, for listening. <laughs> yeah. I can't even get my wife to listen. So <laughs> thank yeah. you, Liz. Nicole still hasn't listened it's, to one? No, I kid you not. And she won't hear this one either, I'm sure. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, shout out to Liz. Keep listening. Love it. Yeah. And so we went there. We were already feeling pretty good by the yeah. time we got there. And then watched the game. Yeah, I mean, some some quick points on the game since – this is, I guess, a Villanova basketball podcast, so we should probably talk about the game a little bit. We got to talk about Villanova basketball on a Villanova basketball podcast? It's shocking, I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, my quick takeaways from the game, I would say, obviously, the shooting was better. Nice to see a lot of stuff connecting. I say, aside from Omari, who was like a little off from three, Jalen definitely got his, his shot back, had a nice, uh, few nice threes go down, so good to see that going in the right direction. Hopefully that trends. I would say... The rotation for me is, is I was excited to see we're back at the point where we've got eight guys and that's it. Jay's got eight. Yeah. Jermaine Samuels is not going to see the court the rest of the year. Yeah, and people are often talk about, oh, it's good to have deep teams, deep, deep this, deep that. Actually, if you go back and look at it, <clears throat> and someone's done this study, so I'm, I forget who it was, but uh, it's been basically – most NCAA tournament champions or most teams that perform well in the tournament actually narrow their rare their rotation down to seven or eight people. And Jay's got his eight man rotation, which I mean makes sense, right? Like unless you have ten guys of equal Talent. ability, but you, you want to play. You want to you want to ride or die with your best yeah, players. Absolutely. 
So it, it definitely saw that Jay's got his rotation locked in. Unfortunately for Jermaine Samuels, as much as I would love for him to get more minutes, it seems like that's not going to be an option, save foul trouble or an injury, which I think that we're good with injuries. Can we, can we say that we're done? Knock on wood. Yeah, can we, I think we should be done with, with injuries. Yeah. But you got Dante, uh, you got uh, Demir Cosby Roundtree, and you got Colin Gillespie off the bench. And that, that's, that's who you got. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, you've got Dada and you've got Colin playing. It looks like they're probably going to play about 10 minutes a game. Yeah. And they were really solid contributors yesterday, which I think is kind of what I've come to expect at this point. They'll come in. They're not obviously the energy guys necessarily, but they'll come in. They make the shots. They do exactly what they're supposed to Yeah. for the most part. Obviously, we can nitpick it. But if that's what we're getting from our seventh and eighth players, sign me up. I'm excited for that. Yeah. That's cool. And now, look, Georgetown is Georgetown is not a tournament team. It's not a te- team that we should be judging our performance against necessarily. But it's important to see the team playing well going into the tournament. So Seton Hall was a rock fight, and it was good to see the team win a game that was that where they weren't hitting shots. Georgetown, it was good to see the offense performing efficiently again. That looked like Villanova basketball that we saw in the beginning of the year. Absolutely. And now I'm starting to feel like we got our mojo shifting in the right direction. Those are my big takeaways. I don't think there's much else to say there. Yeah, I mean, the, the defense in, inside left a little bit to be desired with, with Govan. He put up some, you know, he had a 30 points, which is great uh, on his part. Although I'm not overly concerned. We saw last game, Spellman was definitely able to hold, hold his own against a guy like Delgado. So, yeah, we're going to have some off games. But, look, as a whole, we held them to 73 points. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, I think Jay's defensive strategy against Georgetown was like, let Govan get whatever he wants, yeah. and we'll go from there. So yeah. Govan did get whatever he wanted pretty much. We didn't make it easy. I mean, it was a tough 30 points. He actually played really well. Yeah. Uh, but but the rest of the team, they didn't have enough firepower to match up with any, with no, with us. As so. to be expected. All right, so I think those are the big takeaways from the game. We're obviously wrapped up the regular season. Um, so why don't we wrap we'll take, up our first portion of the show and, and take a quick break? Yeah, we're going to take we're gonna take a little bit break here. We're going to do something a little interesting. There's going to be two breaks. Uh, but after this one, we'll hear about uh, we'll, we'll talk about our Big East regular season recap and go from there. Hey guys, are you like me and love to look good but don't have the time to go out and shop for new clothes? Try Bombfell, spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L. It is a stylist service for men and how it works is really simple. You sign up, put in your measurements, tell them what you like, Bombfell then assigns you a stylist, That stylist picks out clothes that fit your body and personality and sends you a box. The box gets shipped to your door and bang, open and close. And for the listeners of the Full 40, you can sign up with us to receive $25 off your first purchase. Just go to bombfell.com backslash full 40. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com backslash full 40, F-U-L-L four zero and sign up. And remember... Bomb fell, open and close. All right, guys, welcome back to the second session of the full 40 minutes. So want to talk a little bit about the season recap, given that we just wrapped up the regular season yesterday. And just today, the Big East came out with the first round of their awards. So maybe let's start with that. So Jalen and Bridges, both first team, all Big East, I would say, to be expected. Jalen, unanimous selection. Bridges, somehow not. So we can come back to that. 
Other Villanovans making that list, Omari Spellman was on the all-freshman team, so definitely exciting and definitely would have expected him to be there. So, Chris, any reactions to, to the list? I mean, no surprise with Jalen being – if Jalen's not the Big East player of the year, that's just a crime. So no surprise that he was a unanimous first-team selection. I'm going to point out, Mikhail Bridges was not a unanimous first-team pick, which my question is, why? <laughs> why not? What, he's, he's a Wooden Award finalist. Yeah, they, they released 15 Wooden Award finalists, yet Mikhail Bridges isn't everyone's pick to be in the top five of players in the Big East. Yeah, it's what are we talking about? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean the guy is—he's clearly a lottery, a lottery pick on pretty much every NBA mock draft at this point. He's put up a stellar season offensively, defensively. I really don't know what more you could ask for from him to get that unanimous nod. It doesn't make any sense. It could have been, it could have been he missed by a vote. But, That's true. But even that one voter, you're wrong. <laughs> who are you? Yeah, who are you? Stop. And and you're wrong. Stop being stupid. <laughs> Mikhail Bridges was excellent. He was excellent. Um, you know who was also excellent, who got snubbed, was uh, Kyron Cartwright. Kyron Cartwright was an honorable mention. Hashtag Kyron. Hashtag Kyron. And, yeah, I mean, based on what Fox had told us earlier in the year, I was under the impression that Kyron Cartwright was going to be first or second team all Big East. You know what might happen? Could surprise you. He may just overtake Jalen for, um, for player of the year. Gotcha. So honorable mention. Yeah. Kind of like not on the first team. It's a sleeper. It's a sleeper. Not on the first team, but then gets Big East Player of the Year. Yeah. I think they want to kind of lull you into sleep, and then it's like, bam, Kyron Cartwright. There he is. Because well, you forgot about him. That's that's kind of how Fox introduced me to him. <laughs> yeah. So, it's true. So that wouldn't surprise anybody, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. It's so If bad. it's the Fox media that's making these picks, that might explain why Mikhail didn't get... That's very true. First of all, Big East. And it might also explain why Kyron... I was told he's the best point guard in the Big East. And yet, despite the first team all Big East being like all guards. Yes, all. What is. I mean, look, that's fine. I guess you don't have to have a center in today's day and age. Well, we didn't last year, and it worked out yeah, okay. It worked out fine. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, not on first or second all team Big East. Now, I granted, I don't know exactly what numbers of games he started or didn't start. If I had to guess, it was probably like he didn't start 10. And started eight. I don't know if that qualifies him for sixth man of the year. If it if he's qualified for sixth man of the year and doesn't win it, then that's a total crime. Yeah. But I we I expect him if he's if he's eligible to to win sixth man. But I even thought that he was going to get on to the second team. I, all I was, big East. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. And I mean, part of this is maybe it's just a bit of a function of our offense that, yeah, he's just not as much of the focal point. He's the third, I think he's the third leading scorer on the team. You know, if he if he was more of the focal point, he would absolutely be, could easily be first team, right? But he had multiple games in the 20s. Look, I, I agree with you. He had a 30-point game. Like, what else do you want from the guy? <laughs> I don't know. Just got to give Desi Rodriguez that nod on the second. Like, I mean, look, Desi Rodriguez is the leading scorer on Creighton, or not on Creighton, Creighton. excuse me, on Seton Hall. <laughs> He wishes he was on Creighton. He's leading scorer on Seton Hall, which I guess is somewhat of an accomplishment. But uh, I don't know. Over Dante, uh, it irked me a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so he's going to – so we're looking for him on the sixth man. Looking for Brunson on player of the year, coach of the year, Chris Mack? I, I think it's Mack. Usually they give – there's two ways a coach of the year goes. Either 
It's the guy who had the best team going in and they fought through adversity, got everyone's best shot and still won, which mm-hmm. is why Jay's won a couple years now. Or it's the guy who had a team that was slated to not do all that well and ended up doing well. And the Big East this year didn't really have a team that fit either category, right? Because we didn't come in first. So I don't think Jay's going to get it. Seton Hall came in third, but it was kind of a weak third. I think Seton Hall fans would say that they underperformed versus what they said yeah, they Seton would. Yeah, Seton Hall was – absolutely. Seton Hall was ranked to start the year. Creighton was off. ranked and didn't end up ranked. Now, they dealt with injuries. Several I get injuries, it. Yep. Providence, Ed Cooley could be one who – No way. For coach of the year? It's going to be Chris Mack. I think it's got to be Chris it's Mack. Be Chris, and he's going to be up for national coach of the year too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. I think that's right. Butler's old coach, Chris Holtman – that's, yeah. uh, at Ohio State has a good chance of winning that award. Yeah, for sure. Uh, national on the national level, but yeah, I mean, so that's that's Big East awards. Let's talk about our season and, and and some of our favorite memories. One thing I wanted to mention was the way the year kind of played out, the regular season played out was a little bit topsy turvy in that we lost some games late. I expected to lose more games early, integrating a lot of new players. I thought that was going to be even Phil Booth, even though he's not new, coming back into the rotation. I thought we were going to lose some games early and then that we were going to kind of round into form late. We did end up rounding into form at the very last minute here, I think. I really believe that. But we lost a lot more games late and went undefeated in the out-of-conference. So Yeah, this is indicative of how good the season we had. This was the biggest disappointment to me was the fact that, and I think it contributes to the fact that we went undefeated out of conference, was we didn't play Arizona and we didn't play Purdue because they were horrible in the Bahamas. No fault of ours. You play who's on the schedule. Right. But we definitely planned on playing at least one of those guys. We made an attempt to play mo- more ranked teams in the out-of-conference, <laughs> yeah. and it just didn't work out for us. <laughs> Unfortunately. Although Tennessee ended up turning into co-SEC champions. Yeah, yeah, they had a great year. But, so, but still, it would have been nice to play against... DeAndre Ayton, who's number one, number two pick in this year's NBA draft. Just to no get that experience and say, yeah, we've done it. We know how to play against No question. Guys. Totally agree with you there. Especially for a Mari standpoint, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite moments from the, from the season was the return of Phil Booth, episode one and two. Yeah. <laughs> because at the beginning of the year, he's back. We haven't seen him play in almost a year. Right. Comes back. He's just on fire. Looks like the Phil Booth who, did you know... He scored 20 points in the National Phil Championship. Phil Booth, people forget this, but Phil Booth scored 20 points in the National Championship. We just wanted to make sure you guys remembered that. Yeah. People forget. People forget. Yeah, so he comes back. He's killing it. Obviously, he gets hurt and somehow makes this crazy speedy recovery. I think John Shackleton has the recovery time and the recovery process for the broken hands down pat. Yep. Phil Booth's back. He's got that great game he comes back to. He's been a little bit slow working back, but it's to be expected. I'm just glad to have him back on, on the team and, and ready to go for March. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Having Phil back is great. I'm so I'm so happy he's back. Some other surprises. I think Omari kind of surprised me. He was a different player than I expected. I knew he had a three ball. I just didn't expect him to be as much of a face-up guy yeah. as he clearly is comfortable being. I thought he was going to be much more back-to-the-basket post-option, which I think he developed that skill over the year a little bit better. But I expect that to be more natural. And then him occasionally step out to keep the defense honest. And in reality, he kind of is more comfortable shooting threes and playing face-up. And he actually has made some nice drives. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I'm excited next year for that. Yeah. Omari uh, off the dribble. And, and a little bit less back to the basket, less post-up stuff. 
we'll see how he develops, but I mean, he's clearly a really talented kid. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest surprises for me, too, was how much Dada and Colin were able to contribute. I mean, Colin Gillespie was a guy who I think he ended up a three-star recruit at the end of the rankings, but was a two-star recruit at one point and had no major basketball school offers at that yeah. point. We picked him up. It was kind of a real late addition to the recruiting class. But now he and Dada are integral parts of that rotation. Yeah, Gillespie was a diamond-in-the-rough pickup by Jay Wright. And he, kids got stones. Uh, and honestly, like sometimes if the team's not shooting well, I'm like looking for Colin to get out there and, 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 and get an open look. Yeah. I mean, he, he actually gives me a lot of confidence with his shot. It's kind of a rainbow. Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking for somebody to take the last shot on this team, last shot, end of the season, it's got to be Colin Gillespie. No, no, no. no. <laughs> totally no, kidding. No, hell no. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Let's stop well, that yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Let's dip that one in the bud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was great. How about, um, what was your favorite game this year? Besides besides the Xavier, yeah, the two no, you Xavier can't wins. pick Xavier at Xavier or, or even at home. Let's go aside from that. I think the game that we beat Marquette at Marquette, we got Marquette's best shot. They were playing dirty. Mm. Wojciechowski was sweating his ass off, doing all that crazy stuff. Their fans were bananas. And yet we came out of there gritty win, 85-83 I think was the final score. And it was tough, but we got it done. I was, I was very impressed by that one. That was a, that, I marked that – I circled that one on the calendar going in. I think that's going to be a tough test. And the team passed that test. Um, yeah, I think that one was big. For me, really enjoyed the the Butler win. Butler's obviously had our number over the past two years, and they beat us early on in the season, and it was just good to get back. We were down a couple players at that point, too. Went in there and got what I thought was a great win for the team. Yeah, no question. To get that win so shorthanded was hugely clutch. All right, so... Given that, that Villanova closed out its regular season, we are closing out our regular season as well. That doesn't mean we're going to stop the podcast by any means, but we thought it would give us an opportunity to reflect a little bit on our performance over our first five episodes, six episodes. There's an error already. So what we'll do, we'll, we'll take a quick break, but then when we come back, we're going to look back and we have a special guest who's going to point out some of the big misses, misstatements, and stuff we just got egregiously wrong through the first part of our podcast. Yeah, stay tuned and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Hey guys, this is Chris from The Full 40. Before we get back to this episode, we wanted to take a moment to say thank you to our new and loyal listeners. We've had a lot of fun sharing the regular season with you and hope you have as well. We are now looking forward to the postseason where we will be adjusting our schedule a little bit. So look out for our Big East Tournament preview coming later this week. And as you may have seen, we are now on iTunes. Please subscribe to The Full 40 to stay up to date and only give us positive ratings. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at at the full 40. That's at T-H-E-F-U-L-L-4-0. And please, please, please share with your friends. Now stay tuned for the rest of the podcast, and as always, let's go Nova. All right, guys, welcome back to the last portion of the full 40 minutes. All right, so joining us, like we said, is our friend Sandra Rocco, who is going to help us out with some of the stuff that we got wrong throughout the season. Sandro? Hey, guys, good to be here. First off, I just want to say the only reason why I even agreed to do this is because, honestly, guys, for the past, like, month and a half, 
I just have people sliding into my DMs, sending me tweets, sending me messages, just keeping me up at all hours of the night. Just ask me like, Sandro, what the hell is going on here? Do you have a podcast? Are you on this podcast? I'm like, no, do not listen to the podcast. It's the podcast for Chris and Rob. It's it's because we've got so many followers that they're just constantly looking to interact yeah, with yeah, us. Twenty five people are chasing <laughs> you like crazy. It's it's insane. I'm just like I'm just sitting at home trying to watch some ugly delicious on Netflix or whatever else other food other food documentaries I'm trying to watch, and my phone my phone is just blowing up. Like all night, every night. That must be where all the followers, because I don't get those calls. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get any of this either. We had like one troll. That's it. Yeah, so I just figured, you know, I really just needed to come on and settle the score just just because. All right, so what stood out to you? What did we screw up? All right, so a couple quick nit- nitpicks. And honestly, like everyone does this all the time. We have a bunch of guys who, for whatever reason, people can't fully get their names exactly right until they're like seniors. For you guys, I kept hearing we're Kip McCall. I believe it's actually Mikhail Bridges. Look out for the rest of this NCAA tournament for everyone, for all these announcers to get everyone's names wrong. But they're going to call him Michael Bridges. Uh, Michael. No, Michael Bridges. No, they're, no, they're going to call him Miles. I'm <laughs> certain they're going to call him Miles. Definitely going to call him Miles Bridges or Michael Bridges. It's Mikhail. All right. And other thing, you guys did a breakdown a couple of episodes ago on everything that uh, the team needed to improve on better. All right, some nitpicks here or there, but probably the biggest one that had me actually stopping the podcast when you guys got to talking about the freshmen. First off, we spent a, you guys spent a good five to ten minutes talking about improvements the National Player of the Year Jalen Brunson needed to make, and that's fine. <laughs> Same thing with Omari Spellman, again. But then when it got to the rest of the freshmen, our two-star recruit, Colin Gillespie, and our four-star recruit, Demir Cosby Roundtree, and I actually... Didn't do enough research. I don't. I don't remember how many stars Jermaine Samuels has. But when I got to those guys, In- infinite stars because oh yeah, he's so good. Infinite stars. <laughs> but when I got to those guys who play, you know, not as many minutes per game, the overall feedback was the only thing they need to improve on is playing more. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it just kind of let let me wanting a little bit. Oh, a little I bit mean, more. Th- this is the kind of in depth analysis you get at the full forty minutes. So, so <laughs> our feedback was, "Hey, you guys need to play more." We'd like to have any control over that. <laughs> and yeah, the fact that the fact that we did spend time on Jalen Brunson, who is just a stud, and then said, "Oh yeah, Jermaine, he's good. He's, <laughs> he's, he's ready gonna, to go. He's going to just play him more." <laughs> I think it's more because we haven't seen enough of him. Whatever it well, is. Well, that, that's, that, that's part of what happens <laughs> when you're not as good and you need to improve <laughs> on things, is that you don't get into the game as often. I can't, I don't go to the practices. Maybe next year, that's, put that down for next year, Rob. I, I'll text Jay after this and yeah. tell him we need to go and to And just practices. let him know we yeah. got to attend the practices so we can have better analysis. Like, yeah. you know why Jalen Brunson started his freshman year? Because he was really good and didn't, and didn't need to improve on as many things as Colin Brunson <laughs> does. I think it's more that... Jay doesn't want Jalen to be overshadowed by Colin Gillespie and Dada. That's why he limits their minutes. All right, we're moving on because now it's about to get a bit more. Like the the, the heat's coming. Oh, you know, we're talking about the full forty. I'm putting the one two two full court press on. So a couple episodes ago, I think it was Rob who made the argument that the Mirakazi Roundtree was quote the the most polished freshman big man in the Jay Wright era. I don't usually stop podcasts, but I literally had to had to stop what I was doing, pause the podcast, and just basically yell at my phone for five minutes. <laughs> because if anyone who's actually watched Villanova basketball, you know, from before 2005, I mean, I got to stick up for people who've actually watched the program. Uh, you may have heard of a guy named Jason Frazier, five-star recruit from Amityville, New York. And so I'll just throw a couple of stats at you 
Um, Jason Frazier was a five-star recruit, 6'10", as, as I said before. McDonald's All-American in 2002 led his high school team to four consecutive uh, state titles. And this that's, is where... That's pretty good, but my question would be, why didn't he get the fifth? All right, all right. Continue. So this is also interesting. Back in 2001, 2002 time frame, this is before the whole one-and-done era where you could actually come out of high school and go to the NBA draft. He was actually listed on some draft boards as a higher draft pick potential than the Carmelo Anthony. Can we we pause for a second here? We know Jason Frazier. We... I didn't stop Rob because Jason Frazier, the big me- memory. You let this. You let this go. <laughs> I let this go. It's your fault. I did let it go. But Jason Frazier didn't play as much. Damir Cosby Roundtree versus Jason Frazier. No, a healthy no, Jason. No, we, no question. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that. What Rob is trying to communicate, or at least how I understood he's trying to communicate, is because Damir plays more. That Damir has good hands around the basket, decent post moves, and all the other stuff. And Jason See, Frazier got injured. You guys are already making a, like another error. Jason Frazier played. What did he play? Huh, I'm looking it up right now. He played. He played 21 minutes a game in his freshman year versus Demir Kazi Rauchy, who was playing 12 minutes per game. All right. Well, that's why he needs to play more. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right. I think we'll give Sandro that one. Oh, no, two, two, two other stats I'm throwing out here. In the in in the state t- title semifinal game as a junior in New York, Jason Frazier put up. 31 points, 20 boards, and nine blocks. And as you'll remember, he was also he was part of that uh, to, that that recruiting class that was actually the number two recruiting class in the country that featured Jason Frazier, Alan Ray, Randy Foy, and uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm Curtis I'm Curtis Sumter. Wait, wait, stop there for a second, okay? Kyle Lowry, Curtis Sumter, Alan Ray, Randy Foy, and Jason Frazier. If Jason Frazier and Curtis Sumter could have stayed healthy. Yeah. There's no way that team doesn't win a national Absolutely. championship. Jason, Fra- people, for- I, I, don't, I don't want to say people forget, but I don't know how much people <laughs> know about this whole six class. Do people forget this one <laughs> or that Phil Booth scored 20 points in the national championship more? It's definitely not not as much as people were forgetting that uh, you know Chris Jenkins' mom was the one who taught him how to shoot basketball. I didn't know that. Uh, I yeah. learned something every day. You know, Josh Hart was an Eagle Scout. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> But in that in that recruiting class, Jason Frazier was the best one. He was the highest touted recruit of that class. So it's like, oh, oh my gosh, unbelievable. All right, what else? What else do we score? All right, well, let me just do a little bit of comparison here because you know you did bring up the Demir Kazi Roundtree, and so figure we should put some stats to the name. Uh, Demir Kazi Roundtree, Philly native, four star recruit, also very good. The number eighty five recruit in the country according to rivals. Uh, his his slash line in you know, in, uh, in his senior year of high school, 16 points, 11 and a half boards, three and a half blocks, really solid. Um, and then his freshman year, he's played in 31 games, so he's actually he actually has played in more games than Jason Frazier. Uh, Jason Frazier though averaged seven points, six boards in 21 minutes. Demir Kazi Roundtree, a very healthy contribution of three points and two and a half boards. But they're all really valuable three yeah. points, <laughs> and they were very polished in the way it happened. They're exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, all right. So we, so may, have made, we, we may have missed the boat on that yeah, one. Yeah, we, we'll give you that one. All right, so what else? Okay, so here's the real kind of haymaker. There's also a claim here that Dante DiVincenzo is somehow a better decision maker than Jalen Brunson. <laughs> oh, come on. And, I stopped him from saying uh, that. No, you didn't. Uh, and <laughs> I actually, you know, for about the fa- past five minutes, I've just been dropping, dropping knowledge on Jason Frazier. I literally wrote down here for stats – just a blank 
and just like none slash it's just common sense. <laughs> Jalen Brunson, national, the national player of the year. It's just, it's just he, insane. He is, he is very good. And uh, what Dante- Rob said was, <laughs> Donnie DiVincenzo is almost becoming as good of a decision maker as Jalen Brunson. To which I said, no, no. But to your point, I did let him go unchecked. I knew you guys would do this. Uh, all right, so let's talk about things that constitute decision making. Jalen Brunson, our lead guard who handles the ball for most of the time he's in the game, 1.7 turnovers per game. Donna DiVincenzo, 1.9. Jalen shoots a higher percentage from two and three, so whenever he does shoot, he makes more of them. He actually averages more points per game. He assists more. Oh, and more importantly, it's just fucking common sense. <laughs> Jalen Brunson is a better decision maker than Donna DiVincenzo. Yeah, and, and, and there's a very wide, <laughs> wide delta before Donna DiVincenzo even potentially catches up to Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is, like, the smartest, headiest player who's ever played. Dante dreams occasionally that he's, like, at the level of Jalen. He's clearly not there. Anyway. All right, so that's good. So we've clearly screwed some stuff up. We've got, we've got a ways to go. I think to sum up your feedback into how we would describe it yep. is in order for us to improve, we just need to keep doing this more. I think so. <laughs> we need more minutes. Yeah, we need more minutes Absolutely. so we can get better feedback and all this other stuff and, and figure out our way. I think it's right. I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We're just we're just gonna go with that one. <laughs> we're going with that. We're we're sticking with the podcast again. Thanks everyone for joining us here on the full forty. Look out for our Big East tournament preview coming. Earlier this week, where we're going to give you all the real important stuff about all the Big East schools and probably also look around the country and tell you who you should root for in other conference championships as well. Have a great couple of days. And as always, let's Let's go go Nova. Nova.